So two years ago, I went to speak at this conference in Florida, and I, to be honest, I was also kind of on vacation with my family, and so I was like, man, I really want to spend this time with my family, but I feel like I should also go to some of the conference that I'm speaking at. And so if I'm completely honest, I went downstairs not expecting much. And then uh, as I sat down to listen to the lesson, I see this guy get up on stage and I look at him, I'm still not expecting much. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the awesome thing was, as I, got, I sat there, it was a weird phenomenon. I got 45 that, that minutes place. after you. I know you do. I, I get 45 minutes to respond. So, as, as uh, I sit down and listen to this, this man over here talk, David, uh, talk, uh, I started listening to the stories that he was telling about his church and some of the things that were taking place. And I listened to the whole sermon, and I was like, the whole time I was like, this sounds so awesome and so cool and so strangely familiar. And I actually left that class and I told, called my dad and I said, Dad, look, either these dudes down here at this church are doing something awesome or they're stealing all of our stories. <laughs> and uh, I, and it, was, it was crazy and I was inspired and we got to have lunch while we were there. We got to become friends while we were there with Donnie and uh, David and I. We sat down and when we thought about people we wanted to come and speak and talk to our college students, David popped into my head immediately for that reason and also for the reason yeah. And also for the reason, so I'm going to kill myself up here. Uh, for the reason that you guys know, if we have somebody speak here, we want it to be somebody who is in love with campus ministry and wants to see great things happen on the college campus. And at David's church, and actually some of the, the guys who are planting a church on their campus are here with us this weekend, and it's getting ready to launch this month. So, uh, why don't you guys stand up real quick? Come on, stand up if you're helping plant. Oh, wifey, wifey, you too, come on. <laughs> and so if you get a chance to meet them this week and talk to them, uh, it's exciting. And so when we thought about who we wanted to have, David uh, came to mind for me immediately. And I think you're going to see his heart and his passion and his desire uh, for the Father and for people to know the Father. And I'm, uh, I'm just super excited he's here, for one, uh, and to hear what God is going to use him to say. And it's going to be an awesome night. We're going to pray. And then I'm going to just let him take over. All right, let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, I want to thank you for David. And uh, God, for how you intersect uh, people in our lives, God, uh, that you uh, connect us and you build relationships. And you, we find encouragement from the big family that we're a part of, God, this one family. And God, that's really because of the one father that we share. And tonight, as, as David talks about that, God, I pray that you will help us to be people who, uh, who look to you and uh, look to this family and God, also that we look at a world that doesn't have the family that we have, that doesn't share the same father right now in a sense that we do, God, and that there's a longing and a passion and a desire, a fire within us, God, to make sure they get to know the one father. And God, uh, thanks so much uh, for bringing David to spend uh, his time with us here, for his heart and his desire and his uh, just being a servant for us this weekend, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. David. Oh, man, I've never started a sermon this late at night. 9.40. So y'all good? Everybody good? Happy? Uh, I got to stay behind this, don't I? No, you're good. I'm just working on it. You're working on it? You're working on the sound system while I'm preaching? Yeah. Okay. Hey, I need two volunteers. I need somebody to come over here and somebody to come over here. Yeah, come on up. Somebody over here. Come over here. Just stand right there. Don't make them hot yet. 
Now come on up on the platform. Can you get up here? All right. Just, just hang out. Just hang tight. We're going to do something in a minute. Just stand there and look good for a few minutes. Hey, I got to say this. Like, really, this is to me is, um, it's a bigger deal for me than you know. Because about three or four years ago, I'm just going to be honest with you. I was just getting tired of doing church maintenance. Just taking care of people that are good people, but, you know, really kind of on their way out. And in a lot of ways, that's what I've been doing. And so several years ago, I decided that, you know, Jesus Christ has called us to something a whole lot bigger than what I've been doing. And when I looked around me, I don't mean this ugly, but I couldn't seem to find many partners, groups that were really serious about winning the world for Jesus. So I'm down in Florida. Carrie does his presentation. I listened to it, and I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, I got a, like a 40-year-old twin out there I didn't even know was out there. And so my church has fallen in love with what you guys at the crossings are doing so much so, and I'm not, so much so we've sent our guys to shadow your guys. We got four more coming up in the spring to shadow you because we want to see what you're doing. And uh, in fact, we're now doing cross chats at our church. And these guys back here are running them. My son's back here. My son's running a fantastic cross chat. So we're learning from you. We look at ourselves as kind of babies at this process. When I look out and I see the diversity of this crowd, I, I'm about to choke up with tears. Now, look at what God has done. Look at what God has done here. Y'all see that? It's like in my church, we, uh, we've been pushing, we've been begging, Lord, we, wanna, we, wanna, we want every language, every nation, every tribe, every people to come together under our roof. And, you know, it's a little slow for us. And I come here and it's like just a natural thing for you guys to come together under one father, one family, one Lord and one baptism. That's what I see. So I'm really proud to be here. And I, and, and I want to start out by asking you to do something. So I don't, I don't know how many of you are Christ followers. Probably a good number of you are. Some of you aren't. I'm going to ask you to do something. And here's the thing. If you don't want to do it, it's no sweat. Easy. No sweat. No, I'm not judging. It's judge-free zone here. All right? But if you want to do it, I want you to do it with some power. I want you to stand up. You can just keep your mouth shut if you want to during this little exercise. You can stay seated. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. No sweat off me. But here's the thing. I've been given the job of talking about one father. One father. And here's what I know. It really doesn't matter how many fathers there are, how many gods there are, if it doesn't change your life. Because at the end, at the end, the measurement is what God does in your life. So I got these two guys... And they're going to lead you in something really cool here, right? What's your name? Wes. Wes? Yeah, W-E-S-T. All right, Wes. Yeah, 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 use the mic. Have to put it up. Is it hot? Say it again. What's your Wes. name? Wes. W-E-S-E. Yeah, W-E-S-T. Where are you from, Wes? St. Louis. Oh, Wes. Yeah. Hang on. Hey, okay, I got to tell you something. I lived in Kansas City for five years. And I, I would drive back and forth from Nashville because my family's in Nashville. I stopped in St. Louis one time. This really happened to me. I stopped because I had to go to the bathroom. It's not a real nasty joke or anything, but I'm sitting in the stall 
in St. Louis. Because I knew it's a, it's a friendly town. When you say it's a friendly place? Yeah. So I'm sitting in the stall. I'm sitting in the stall in St. Louis. And the guy in the stall next to me says, how you doing? On the other side of the stall. I say, I'm doing good. He says, so what you up to? I said, well, I'm just doing my business over here. And then he goes, uh, he says, hey, honey, can I call you back? This idiot in the stall next to me keeps answering my questions. That's St. Louis. All right, West, you're going to help me out. Who are you? Uh, I'm Lancelot. You're who? Lancelot. Lancelot. Like the knight. Yeah. Oh. That's a good name. Where are you from, Lancelot? Uh, RSU Claremore. I'm here with the Tulsa crew. You're with who? RSU Claremore. I'm here with the Tulsa crew. I still haven't understood a word you said. Rogers, okay, got it, good, good, good. Okay, here's what I, here's, here's the thing. Okay, wait, I'm gonna tell you one more story. So this, this happens. There's a guy, that the longest running television program in the history of the Milky Way galaxy was a television program called The Sportsman's Friend. You probably never heard of it, don't worry about it. It's a guy who was a fisherman and for 50 years, I'm not making this up, 50 years, this guy had a fisherman show where he took all these celebrities out and they would fish together. All right, he's like 90 years old. He's a member of my church in Kansas City, which is also very friendly. West, you're still with me up here, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You're drifting, man. I can tell you're about half gone right now. Stay with me. <laughs> you still with me? Yeah, I'm good. Last slide, okay. So out of sight of my church, this guy's 90 years old. He's well known. We'll have a big shindig and have everybody come out, you know, and celebrate and all that kind of stuff. So we get him here. Listen to this. I'm not making this up. Two former governors of the state of Kansas come to my church, like a senator's there, a congressman, the vice president of Walmart. They're all sitting here. Y'all okay standing, right? All right, we're having a banquet, and I'm, this guy's going to get him to say a few Christian words. It's kind of a cool deal. So the teenagers of my church, they're serving the dinner. You, you like, you ever been to a banquet? It's like green beans. It's always the same. Green beans and chicken and a roll and a pat of butter. Right? You see the little pat of butter? It's always the same. You know where this is going? So this guy, his name is Harold Inslee. He's sitting at the head table. The whole state of Kansas has come to hear him speak. So this teenage guy, it's like a 15-year-old kid, comes up. And Inslee says to him, hey, can I get a second pat of butter for my bread? And the kid says, no, we only got one pat of butter per person. So Inslee's kind of full of himself. He says, hey, you know who I am? And the boy says, no. And he says, I'm Harold Inslee. I had the longest running television show in the history of TV. I got two governors, a senator, a congressman, vice president of Walmart, all here to hear me speak. Walmart carries my product. There are 300 people here for me tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so the boy says, all right, you know who I am. And he says, no, I don't know who you are. He says, I'm the boy in charge of the butter, and you're getting one pad tonight. <laughs> so here's the deal. You know what that kid knew? He knew who he was. That's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to ask you, do you know who you are? Because here's the thing. One father, but it only matters if you know who he is. It only matters if you know who he is. So I did this exercise years ago in my life, and I'm going to walk you through it. You guys are going to lead us in it, all right? I'm going to say it, and then you lead your crowd. Okay. These are your people. Yes. 
If they follow you, you go to heaven. So no there's pressure. a lot of stake. No pressure. No pressure. There's a lot of stake here. No pressure. I got this. No Get pressure. this right, West. Get this right, man. Get this right. Come on, West. You're carrying this team right now. All right, so here we go. We're going to practice it first. You ready? I'm going to walk you through line by line. You good? You still with me? Be Everybody ready? All right, say this with me. Because of who he is. Say that. Lead your people. Because, because of who, of who he, is. he is. All right, let's, let's coordinate that. Because of who he is. Because of who he is. Get your people saying that. Because of who he is. Because of who he is. That's good. Do it one more time. Because, because of who he is. This is who I am. This, this is who I am. I follow Jesus Christ. I follow Jesus Christ. I will not back down. I will not back down. So help me God. So help me God. Thank you. Give him a round of applause. Nice job. Nice job. You can sit down. Hey, you know what? You need to say that, and you need to mean it. You need to say it, and you need to mean it. Because here's the deal. When you know who you are, when you know who you are, then you will know what to do. And until you know who you are, you'll never know what to do. Your whole life, you'll be pushed back and forth. You'll be knocked around. You'll never know what's a good decision until you know who you are. And so what I want to help you do is to see you have one father. When you get that clear, you will know who you are and you'll know what you need to do from this point forward. So you need to draw a line on the sand and say because of who he is, this is who I am. I follow Jesus Christ. I will not back down. So help me God. Now my text is... I got two texts because I got crossed on it somehow or another. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to read this text to you. The scripture says this. For us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things came and through whom we live. You're one family. Because you have one father. You have one father. And I read this text, and i got to go back to this one. I'm going to go back to Acts chapter 17. you got a Bible? Open to Acts 17. You don't have one? I'll read it to you. Acts 17. Because in Acts 17, we really read about this one father and why it matters. I'm going to set it up for you. So we got the Apostle Paul. He's a missionary. His name is Paul. You need to know his name. So say Paul. Everybody just say Paul. Apostle Paul. Good deal. So he's... he's like, he's Robert, or Kerry. He's, he's, the, he's the lead guy. He's going all over the world preaching Jesus. By the way, he's facing a lot of persecution while he's doing this. He goes to the city of Athens, which was the university city of his day. And while he's in Athens, he starts wandering around the marketplace. And he sees all these pagan idols around him. And it really stirs his heart. Because he wants people to know there are not a lot of idols out there. There's just one father. In fact, Paul wants to bring everybody together under one father. He wants to bring all races together under one father. He wants to bring all nationalities together under one father. He wants to bring men 
women, old, young. He wants to bring all of humanity together under the blessing of one Father. So here, I want you to hear what happens. Paul was waiting for them in Athens. He's waiting for some other missionaries to show up. He's distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned the synagogue with Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace. I just can't help but stop to say right here, listen guys, I know you know this, but I'm gonna say it again. The gospel belongs in the marketplace. It doesn't belong in church. Like this is a safe place, isn't it? But when you leave here, that's when you take the gospel out. Like it can't just stay right here. Paul didn't just wait and go to church and then at church they all talked about the gospel. And when he got out, he wasn't ashamed of it. When he got out, he talked about who Jesus is out in the marketplace. He walked the streets talking about Jesus, unashamed, unafraid, full of courage. So day by day, he speaks. And then we read this. So I'm in verse 18 of chapter 17, book of Acts. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with them. Some were saying, what's this babbler trying to say? And others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. And they said this because he was preaching good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Now, I'm going to stop. You probably don't care who the Epicureans and the Stoics were, but they were the college professors of their days. Paul's in the college university town. He's with the college professor of his days. These are the philosophers of the day. And as he talks about the good news of Jesus, they're kind of making fun of him. You know, what's this nonsense? What's this foolishness he's talking about? Why? I don't want you to miss the word here. Because he's preaching the good news of the resurrection. He's talking about good news. I just want to stop and say, you get it that the gospel's good news, don't you? It ain't bad news. Like, it's not bad news. Let me tell you what's bad news. Bad news is leaving people in their self-destructive behavior. That's bad news. Good news is reaching in and finding people where they are and letting them see how God can rescue them from that. That is good news. So Paul shares the good news in this university setting. And we read this. They took him, verse 19, and brought him to a meeting on the Areopagus. So this, is the, this was like the college university uh, symposium. This is a room like this. It's on top of a hill, named after the Greek god Mars, Areopagus. And they said, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. So 21 the author kind of gives you a comment. He says, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing was talking and listening to the latest ideas. So he's just basically saying, just like any college, they talk and talk and talk, they don't do anything. Sorry. I went to school, that's what they do. They talk, they talk, they talk, they talk. They come up with theories, they publish articles. They go back and smoke a cigar and drink a glass of brandy or whatever. They, but this is what they're doing in Athens. They're just talking. And so they want to hear Paul's new ideas. So here's what I want you to hear. This is where we sort of get to this thing of who we are. Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus, verse 22, and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with its inscription to the unknown God. And here's one of the best sentences in all the scriptures. Now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. So I'm going to start right here. When Paul gets there, he sees all these idols all over the city. 
So I've had the privilege of being in Athens on a number of occasions. Even today, when you go to the ruins of old Athens, you see temple after temple after temple, altars. They had a God for everything in Athens. They had a God for war. Yeah, you want a God for war? We got that. God for sex? Yeah, got a couple of those. They had a God for how to communicate with the sky, a God for the sun, a God for the moon, a God for the trees. They had a God for the water. They had a God for everything. Paul says, yeah, I see you're religious. you got all these gods out there. Now I'm going to tell you about the real one. I'm just going to stop and say this. You know, we're not all that different today. So, those of you who have been rescued by Christ, you were rescued from an idol. Like, we still got idols, right? You know that, don't you? Hey, I'm going to put it this way. Everybody in the world worships something. Everybody worships something. The only question is who you worship. Either you worship the idol of whatever it is that your thing is. You know, I read somebody said that the number one idol in America is called Athletica. It's the idol of sports. I don't know if that's true or not. I'll tell you what, I've seen some parents where you're pretty sure that's what they're worshiping with their kids. For some of you, I'll tell you what the idol is. It's you have a, you've got to have a boyfriend. Like you can't live without some boy to love you. Or maybe it's the other way around. You've got to have a girlfriend. I mean, see, we know that like, uh, drugs and alcohol are idols for some people. Sex is an idol for people. Money's an idol for people. You know all that. We, we get all that, right? We all know that. We've got an idol for everything. And, and people worship their idols. I mean, they're really serious about their idols. Now, I'm going to tell you something about every idol that we have in America today. You know, there's one common element to every idol, and this really matters, guys. Listen to this. Every idol in America really is all about one thing. You know why people have to have sex, why they have to do their money stuff, and why a girl's got to have a relationship, why guys are all about Atletico, you know, popularity and money and all that? You know what? It all boils down to one thing. It's that every single human is hurting inside, and we're looking for something to fix it. Everybody is. You tell me you're not, I know you're a liar. Every man is angry. Every man in this room has an anger problem. All men do. We're mad the world's not the way it's supposed to be. We're all worked up about this. That's how come men explode all the time. I'm just here to say, at the root of every idol is a brokenness deep inside, and we're looking for somebody, something, to either salve the pain, to fill the void, to tell us we're loved, to make us feel like we really do matter in the world. And this is why idolatry is so bad, because idols never, never satisfy the brokenness inside. They can't do it. They can't do it. Landon Saunders, a preacher, I don't, I don't even know if he's still alive. He probably is. If, you, if he's sitting out there, forgive me for not knowing if you're alive or not. But he's getting old if he's alive. I heard him tell a story some years back. They were scuba diving at some lake in Arkansas. They jumped out of the water, and they're grabbing stuff off the bottom, and they bring it up, and they set it on the dock. It was just for fun. And they, some guy goes down, he picks up a Coke can, he puts it on the dock, and they sit on the dock, and all of a sudden they see water splashing out of the Coke can. They look inside the Coke can, and lo and behold, there's a catfish in the Coke can. 
and the catfish is too big to get out of the hole. And they realize what happened. That catfish had swam into the Coke can when he was little looking for shelter. And then he grew so big, he couldn't get out. And what he thought was going to shelter him became his prison. And he'd have died if they hadn't found him. That's what every idol does. Every idol says, come to me, I'll give you pleasure. Come to me, I'll take care of your hurt. Come to me, I'll make you significant. I'll give you what you're looking for. And every one of them, every one of them is a trap. By the way, you know what Sanders said they did? So they cut the top off that can. They gently put that can in the water and said that catfish hesitated a bit, swam out a moment, and then began to swim off in the lake. And as it did, it turned back. And with a tear in its eye, it waved goodbye to them. <laughs> That's just a joke, that part. Uh, but I, I thought it was pretty funny when he said that. I, I like that part. That's what idolatry does. Idolatry lures you in. I'm telling you guys, idolatry lures you in and it never solves the problem. So when Paul comes and says, I see you're religious, and everybody's religious. Hey, every atheist is religious. Like if you don't believe it, you think, I'm not sure about God, I don't believe in God. Let me tell you something, you worship something. You worship something. You worship something. Y'all know the name Bob Dylan? Does anybody know the name Bob Dylan? He's like just me and my generation and all. Bob Dylan became a Christian like in the 83 or 84, something like that. Bob Dylan, by the way, won a, he won a Nobel Prize for literature. He's so good at, as a mu musician. I'm not making that up. It's like a folk musician. He, he came out with an album right after that called Slow Train Coming. And then he said, and he said listen, I don't care who you are. You're going to worship something. I wrote down the lyrics, but I'm not going to take your time on it. It's pretty cool, though, because he just says, I don't care if you're a state trooper. I don't care if you're president. I don't care if you're a preacher. I don't care if you're an atheist. I don't care who you are. Everybody worships something. So here's what we got to get clear in our head. What we got to get clear in our head is what Paul says next. Because what he says, I see you're religious. I see you're religious. What you worship as something unknown now I'm going to tell you about him. And so for the next few minutes, I want to tell you about your one father. Your one father. Here's what he says. The God, I'm in verse 20. I can't read it too good. Verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. I'm just going to start there. I just make sure we get it clear. But the God we're talking about is the one who made everything and sustains everything we experience. He made you and he made you in his image. He made you in his image. You know what that means? I mean, you know, so think about this. You, you're riding down the road. You're riding down there. It's kind of a gross uh, illustration, but it'll get the point across. You're riding down the road. You see a dead dog on the side of the road. What do you do? You stop. You cradle it in your arms. You, you know, kiss it and say, I can't believe this happened. You have a funeral. You call your friends in. Go through a period. No, you don't do it. It's a dog. You drive on by, right? I mean, maybe it hurts you a little bit, but not much. It's a dog. If it's a possum, you just try to run it over again, right? <laughs> or a cat. cat. A cat or a possum. Okay, I want you to imagine a moment. You're driving down. You go further down that road, and you see a child over here has been hit. What do you do? 
You drive by, right? No big deal. No, no way. You stop, you called 911, you would do anything to save that kid's life. You know why? Because that child is in the image of God and you know it. Even the atheist knows it. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows there's something different about a human. We're not like the animals. We're not like rocks. We're not like trees. We're not like wood. We're different. We bear the image of God. And that's what he's saying. We're made to be like God. So just tell yourself this. When you're hurting inside, when you're lonely inside, when you're lost inside, what that is a sign of is that God, whose image you bear, is trying to get into you. This is how God gets into us. That most of our lives, we spend our lives trying to discover what it's like to be like God. He made us to be like Him. We broke it. Now we spend our lives trying to be like Him again. And only in Jesus does that happen. Only in Jesus does that happen. I got to keep going. So He says here, This Lord made everything. Now keep going. We're going to keep going here. He does not live in temples built by hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Second thing we want to say about this God, this Father, this one Father. He doesn't need me. Like, you get that, don't you? God doesn't need us. He's made it all. He sustains it all. He's the source of it all. We're in his image. We're not in his image. He's not in our image. But the awesome thing about it is the whole reason Paul preaches this sermon. God doesn't need you, but he wants you. That's even better. Listen, this is what grace is. Grace is a story of a father who can't stand to be separated from you. Grace is a story of a God who says, I'm, I'll take you. You're mine. So I got two kids. My son's sitting right out there. Wes, where are you going? What have I said? Oh, you got to go to the bathroom. All right. That's probably a bad question to ask, wasn't it? I get more truth than I want. I got a son right over here. Um, my daughter's back at home in Murfreesboro. And I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing I wouldn't do for them. I just adore them both. They're great. They're just great kids. They're awesome people. They're, they're, they're my friends. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. John can tell you that. We're, we're pretty close. And, um, man, how many times I've prayed this prayer about my son. Literally, I've said this. You said this, Carrie. I've said, God, thank you for trusting me with those kids. Thank you for giving them to me and not somebody else. Some of you probably have, you have babies. Some of you got kids. You know why you have kids? Why in the world would you do this? I mean, you know how much your life changes when you have kids? Like, it's the last time you sleep for years. You don't get to sleep again. There's, uh, we had, with this situation, when they were little, my kids used to come get in bed with me at night. Both of them. They were like three and four years old. They pile in bed with you. You wake up, you're high, you can't sleep. It's like cheerleaders, you know, give me an H, give me a J. They're all over your body and all. It's true. I mean, just life changes. Now, they're expensive. By the way, i got to tell you this one. So I, I was traveling one time. I shouldn't have tell you this because I was, this is off subject, but it's kind of fun. So I'm traveling one time somewhere. I was flying somewhere. I don't remember where it was. Kids are like three and four years old. And I told the kids, I said, listen, if you'll stay in your bed while I'm out of town, when I get home, I'll give you a surprise. And so, you know, it's kind of a challenge for them and all. So I fly wherever it is I fly. And I come back, I land at the uh, gate there on the airplane. And back then, you could come all the way back to the gate. 
So I'm getting off the airplane. I look down and my little red-headed girl's about four years old. She's running down the terminal. She sees me getting off the airplane, running down the terminal. John's back there behind her. And as she sees me, she yells at the top of her lungs, Daddy, Daddy, good news. While you were gone, nobody slept with Mommy. <laughs> Which it was good news. I thought that was good news. But so you have, why would you have kids? Seriously. Think of all, think all your parents have to go through with you. You know why you have kids? There's one reason why you have kids. I don't mean sex. There's one reason why you have kids. That's a consequence, not a reason. There's one reason why you have kids. You know what it is, right? Because you want somebody to love. That's the only reason. We had kids because I wanted somebody to love. So God has you as a kid. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? He had you as his kid. What does that tell you? Yeah, I don't care who. I say, hey, you got a KC hat on. I like that. Chiefs. What does it tell you? God had you because he wanted you to love. He wanted, to, he wanted you to be his. That's what it means here when it says, he's talking about God. He says, listen, he is the one who gives all of us life and breath and everything else. I want you to see verse 26, because this has to do with one fam. From one man, he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. He determined the time set for them, the exact places where they should live. Just two points here. First of all, God's in control of everything. So God was in control when Barack Obama was president. He's in control when Donald Trump's president. He's in control of North Korea. He's in control of all of it. I don't care what they say, God's in charge. There are 196 nations on this planet, but there's only one king, and he will get his way. And every prince and every president and every prime minister and every king and queen that ever lived, one day, one day, let me tell you, this is literally gonna happen. One day, one day, you are gonna see Barack Obama and Donald Trump bow down on their knees and say, Jesus Christ, is Lord. You're going to see that because that's going to happen because every prince is going to bow down before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because he's in charge. He's in charge. He was in charge yesterday. He's in charge today. He's in charge tomorrow. He's not going to get fired and he's not going to quit. But the other thing I want you to say in here, from one man, he did it all. From one man. Now, you're tempted to think Jesus, and Jesus is a one man in one sense, but he's, what he's saying, he's just saying, hey, come on. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian, we're just one in God's eyes. We're just one in God's eyes. And listen, I know, hey, I'm a southerner. Listen to this. I, I hesitate to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you how southern I am. My great-granddaddy's name was Jefferson Davis Young. My great-granddaddy is named after the Confederacy from South Carolina is where he grew up, the original Confederate redneck state. I'm not picking on South Carolina, I'm just telling you the truth. You know, I look at my family and I think to myself, man, you know, we got, like, we got a long history here. And I got a member of my church. Her dad was the first African-American council member in my entire county. Listen to this. this. We're not talking about ancient history. I'm not talking about like in the 1800s. I'm talking about 30, 40 years ago. This guy run for city council 
First thing that happens, a cross is burned in his front yard. That's in my town. He gets his windows broken out of his house so commonly by white trash that literally the hardware store comes by once a week every Monday and has to replace windows on his house. That's how bad it was. Now, I don't need to tell you that having a judge is a good thing in that world. I'm talking about that judge. Because there's got to be justice. There's, there's just got to be justice. God's a loving God, but he's a just God too. And justice is not bad news there, is it? There's going to have to be some justice there. The world just cries out for justice. But let me say this. In this group, in this body, we can be one. Man, we can be one. We're all jacked up here. I just start there. We're all jacked up. If we all start by saying every one of them is messed up, every one of us is messed up, stand united, we're going to be back to back. If you're going to get to one of my brothers, you're going to have to go through me. That's the way it's got to be, guys. If we can't show the world what this is supposed to look like, you ought to just go on home. It's over. If we can't show the world what race is supposed to look like, if we can't do it, we? This world ain't got no hope. We got to be the one. So that's what he says. From one man he does this. From one man. We got to stand one. We got one father and there's got to be one people. And the only way to do that we just got to make a commitment. I'm going to love you no matter what. You're stuck with me. Because I ain't backing down. Because of who he is, this is who I am. I follow Jesus Christ. I will not back down. So help me, God. And I won't back down from you either. I just won't back down from you either. All right, we got to keep going because it's 1014. Good night. It's late. And Carrie said we're eating after this. I've never... I, I've never even, I've never, like I'm in bed two hours ago. <laughs> eating. Where are we eating? Because that might, that might affect me a little bit. Here's what he says. Verse 27, God did this so that men would seek him, perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Just as some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design or skills. I'm going to stop there. So here's what he says. He says, listen, God's right here. I'm going to say this because I'm going to run out of time if I don't go on and do this. Hey, some of you are, you're not believers yet. You get your guest. By the way, like for me, having you here is, is so awesome. I hope I'm not boring you to tears. This is this serious stuff. But have, if, you're, if you're, not, you're not part of the family of Christ, man, oh, we glad you came. Thanks for giving us a shot. Thanks for giving us a shot. And if you're still looking, here's what this text says. It says, he's not far from us. He's not far from us. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're not a Christian, I'm just going to ask you to do this. Just keep asking him, all right, show me what you want me to know. You ask him, show me what you want me to know. Because this text says he's not far from you. Ask him, show me what you want me to know, and he'll show you. Ask him. If you're an atheist, you ask him. By the way, he's likely to show you in such a way you, won't, you can be shocked. 
The, the best thing in the world is a surprised atheist. They're the best people in the world. The surprised atheist. I had no idea there really was a God. They're the best ones. Now here's why we got to finish it up because here's what he says after this. In the past, I'm in verse 30, God overlooked ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he's appointed, and he's given proof of this to all men by raising Jesus from the dead. So here's the deal, guys. This is where I want to get to. We have one father. He's not the idols. He's not all that nonsense that we use to, to fill the hole inside of us. He's the one true father. But the text ends by saying, you've got to make a decision about this. So I was kind of cutting up with my guys on the way in. And I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to give them some bad news tonight because I kind of got some bad news for you. you know, uh, just forgive me for this. Bad news. But here's the deal. You just heard that there is a father who's after you. And the bad news is you now got to make a decision even if you didn't want to. You got to make a decision. I must say this. If you walk out that door, you made a decision. Either way, you're going to make a decision now because this father is pursuing you. This one father, he's pursuing you. This one father is asking for a relationship with you. And he has said, I used to overlook your ignorance. I'm done with it. Now I've appointed a day and I need a decision. God needs a decision from you. So the bad news is you're about to make a decision even if you don't want to. Like you know that, right? Everybody who's not sound asleep or on drugs is about to make a decision. If you're on drugs, you, probably, you may, I don't know, maybe you did. If you're awake, you're about to make a decision. You'll know that. Everybody knows that, right? You're about to make a decision about Jesus Christ. You're about to do it. You're going to walk out that door and say, hey, not tonight, not tonight. I, what's, who's this guy? It's late. I don't know what you're going to say. You know that's a decision, right? That's a decision of no. No. Yeah, so he's near us. No, he's not, he's not going to wait on my ignorance anymore. He's not going to put up with it anymore. But I'm not interested. That's a decision. Or you can make this decision. You can make a decision that says, here, here I stand. Because of who he is, this is who I am. I follow Jesus Christ. I will not back down. So help me, God. You figure out who you are and you'll know what to do. I've been a Christian since I was eight years old. I've never regretted it, not a single minute of my life. I can't tell you what God has done for me. I can't even go through it all. I got a miracle son sitting right over here. I got a miracle sitting back there. Not just once in his life, a miracle. My son, he, he doesn't want me to tell you this story, but it's too late because I done started. He, he, when he was born, he, he almost died a couple of times. He had to have a major surgery. We, didn't, we weren't sure he was going to live. He was six months old. We had, he just had some health problems. He's fine now. He's got, he just got a black belt in Taekwondo. He, listen, I'm not making this up. He received a black belt in Taekwondo, the shortest time in the history of the Taekwondo I'm not joking. He is the fastest black belt in the history of Taekwondo. I'm not making that up. So it's pretty cool. But, but when he was little, 
He, he had some serious health problems. And I could, we had to do a major surgery on his brain, brain surgery when he was a kid. Had to cut the top of his head off as a mess. He's all swollen up. He can't move. He can't speak. He's six months old. We think he's going to die. And my wife and I, we prayed one prayer. We prayed it over and over again. We said, God, please heal my son. And we would say this. Literally, we would say, heal him so that one day we get to hear him say a prayer in church. I don't know why we picked that. We just picked that. We want to hear him say a prayer in church. Because we knew that meant his mom would be working, and we knew he'd be a Christian. You with me on that? That's a big prayer. When you are looking at your boy, and he may be dying. I mean, we had, we had time. Listen, his, his health problem was so bad one time we had to rush him to the emergency room in the middle of the night. Listen to this. I got my son in there. His chest has collapsed. The emergency room doctor walks around the corner. I'm wondering, where is he going? I go around the corner. The emergency room doctor is sobbing. And I think, dude, I'm in trouble. If he's crying. So my son is baptized in 2005. In April, I got to baptize him. I'd long forgotten that prayer. Yeah, woo, woo, woo on that one. I'd long forgotten that prayer, by the way, because now he's over all that. He's, what were you, 10 years old? Nine years old, John. And I get to invited to speak at Pepperdine University, a big university lectureship thing. There's 5,000 people out in the audience. And they asked me, just before I speak, they say, who do you want to say a prayer? I said, well, I just baptized my son. Why don't you let him say a prayer? And so I said, John, he's... He's 10, you know, he's, he'll do whatever. He didn't care. And he goes up to say a prayer, and they got these big jumbotrons, you know what I'm talking about, all over the place. I look up and I see my son, and I remembered that prayer from 10 years before. God, let him live long enough for me to see him say a prayer. His first public prayer was said in front of 5,000 people on a jumbotron. So that's what God does. That's, just, that's who we're talking about, right? That's the one father we're talking about. We're not talking about like a wimpy father. We're not talking about an idol. We're not talking about a stick. We're not talking about a piece of gold. We're talking about a God who gets down here and does awesome things, who does awesome things. And so he says to you tonight, you got to make a decision. You're going to leave. You're going to make a decision. Everybody in here is going to make a decision. I just want to say this. Make the decision. Take a chance. Make a decision to follow Jesus. If it doesn't make sense to you, whoa. Hey, seriously, I'm not picking on you. What else made sense to you? What makes sense, in, what makes sense today? Nothing makes sense today. I ain't picking on him, but we ain't got a president that makes any sense to me. <laughs> Half of what I see doesn't make any sense to me. So... So the world doesn't make sense. Try it. If you don't know what to do, just start following him. Just start following him. Just say, look, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. That makes sense to me. I've never seen anybody else do it. I don't want to give up my idols. I don't want to give up my pleasure. I don't want to stop doing this. Just try it. Let's ask him, Lord, lead me. You take me where you want to go. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you the truth on this. You get one chance at life. Don't blow it. You're not going to get to do this again. You get one shot at life, you'll never get it again. You get it once. That's all you get, once. Do it right the first time. And here's how I want to encourage you to do it. You got one father. Because of who he is, this is who I am. I follow Jesus Christ. 
I will not back down. So help me God. I don't even know if we do an invitation. You got a song? Can you fire it up? Get your, get your homies up here. All right, all right, they're firing it up. All right, here's the deal, here's the deal. I'm gonna have you say my thing one more time. I'm gonna have you say my deal one more. We're gonna stand up and say, but not yet. Don't stand up just yet. Just give me one more second. I caught you by surprise, didn't I? You didn't know you were gonna have to do this. Look, guys, how many of you have been to Panama City before? Everybody been? About half of you, a little more. Is there a swimming pool here? Okay, there's two of them? You're back. West, I'm glad to see you, man. <laughs> Everything work out okay back there? You good? All right. In addition to that, you got the Gulf of Mexico, right? Somewhere, over there somewhere. I don't know where it is. And you got like 600 people that I love to take you in that water and let the old man die and the new one be born. Like you got 600 people. And so you're gonna make a decision. You figure out which decision you wanna make. You, you get to make your own decision, but you're gonna make one. Stand up with me. Now, if you want me to help you or you want Robert or Kerry singing, he can't help you. But if you want so. I bet anybody in a blue shirt can help you. Then we're going to sing this song. I want you to tell me what we can do. I'm going to come down here. You tell me what we can do. And uh, if this ain't your tradition, then don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. But I do want you to say this with me. Um, Lancelot, where are you? West? Y'all come just right here. Yeah. We won't do the mics because I got the mics. We're going to do it one more time. You good? You good, man? Yeah, I'm good. Great. Because of who God is, because of who this, is who I am. this is who I am. I will follow Jesus. I will not back down. So help me God. So help me God. Y'all take it.